The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Love Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Mac 19 and joining me in the co-host chair as always is Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? I'm here. He's here. Very good. You little ripper. Are we there yet? Almost. Drags yeah. on trade week. Everyone wanted trade week to be longer. Now everyone wants it shorter again. That's great. Yeah. Well, painful. That's it. And back on the podcast, uh, for the first time in a little while, is uh, Schultenfest. Hey, guys. How are we? Good. Good. Thanks for joining us. No problem. So how have you seen uh, Trade Week so far? I think it's been reasonably interesting without um, uh, deals actually getting done, but some of the big names um, that are looking at moving um, has made things fairly interesting. Yeah, I think there's certainly a lot more action going on than there has been in previous years, but you just sort of wish they'd hurry up a bit and get something done. Yep. It seems to be interesting. The trend is more an exodus away from the Victorian clubs, which I post comment on the forums. Uh, you know, it's probably a bit of a culture shock for the Victorian clubs. I mean, the whole AFL was established to uh, uh, sort of help them and keep them carrying afloat and make it easier for them to get players. And, and now for the first time in, in the history, we're really seeing a bit of an exodus away from the, uh, the Vic, Vic clubs now. Mm. And especially the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> Even though it was, it they're was not going to have any Boyd. players left. Well, Boyd wants to come back. He's the size of two or three players. Yeah, very true. I wonder if that mm. deal will actually get done though. No. Yeah, I'm not thinking. Would you trade that. Boyd for Griffin? Uh, if you were Port Adelaide and you know you had Boyd on the list, what if we also had Patton and Cameron on the list? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be relying on Patton. And they might not have Cameron either. In a couple of days' mm. time, you never know. But they got McCarthy. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> well, they're in a spot of bother, GWS as well, because half their team is looking at moving as well. So, you know, there's some fairly interesting deals getting done. I think hopefully the dominoes are falling into place a bit with Christensen getting done today. Um, I think we can expect Trengove and, and Beams to get done tomorrow. Um, hopefully things fall into place then and, and we'll start seeing some more trades get actually uh, actually completed. Then how are Essendon going to trade, uh, Brisbane going to trade pick five for Ryder, which we all heard was going to happen today? We did. Poor Andrew Joe. How unfortunate. <laughs> the, I guess the, the most interesting name for me has been um, Levi Greenwood in all of this. Finally seemed to secure his senior spot in the North Melbourne side and, uh, what, finished right up in the best and fairest and on he goes. I thought that was a really interesting choice. Yeah, I think he's been squeezed out financially with uh, Waite and Higgins coming in. I think um, they haven't been able to afford to keep him a bit, but especially with his good form, they wouldn't have expected him to have such a fantastic year, I don't think. Still still seems like a strange choice by North Melbourne to discard Greenwood for uh, Waite, especially, and then uh, an injury-prone Higgins at it's gonna. It's either. It's one of those make or break trade periods for them in a way, isn't it? Yep. Yep. I would think so. 
Well, young Jared yeah, White does have a lot of potential. Like young Jared White does have a lot of potential, though. So you know, yes. Oh, oh, Gwilt. Let's get Gwilt into the Port <laughs> Adelaide side. That's great. <laughs> so, do you guys see us doing anything outside of the Ryder deal? Is it? Do you do you think it's achievable for us to still be able to get Gorringe, or are we going to be too limited with our draft picks and time? I think we can still get Gorringe. I think. Um, look, if nothing's happening with Ryder at you know one o'clock. On Thursday, I'd be pulling the uh, pulling the button on on Gorringe for sure. It's difficult to say until we see what we end up giving up for Ryder, whether mm. we're going to have the capital to get anything done with Gorringe as well, because he is contracted. So Gold Coast might just back themselves to keep him, and then we'll they'll fail, and then we'll be back here next year asking the same question. Yeah. But surely you um, you wouldn't be proposing offering pick seventeen for Gorringe if Ryder falls over. I think if that was to happen, it might be pick 17 for Gorringe and they're 27. I think they've got 27. Yeah. I'd yeah, probably I trade 17 for Gorringe, but yeah, I'd hope for something a little bit extra back as well. But look, I'm pretty sure Ryder will get done for pick 17 and pick 17 only on Thursday. I think it's just typical um, trade week posturing and Essendon are playing the game and, and trying to stretch it out as long as possible just to try and piss everyone else off. Mm. Let's take us to court. Mm. Let's go to court. Well, obviously, best case scenario is that we do get Ryder for nothing. If he does end up going to this grievance tribunal, um, we might be able to get him for nothing. Well, that would be ideal. It really. would be ideal, yeah. To that, get Ryder and keep I... pick 17 would be absolutely Giddy best up. case scenario. Yeah, I'd take that for sure. Mm. And GR, to be honest, the way that Essendon have been performing, um, that's what they deserve. Really, you know, in the beginning, I was happy and comfortable with the club, you know, trying to give them what we've got, which was best, which was pick 17 instead of pushing it through this avenue. But they're just being arrogant and obstinate. Now it's, uh, I think, bugger up. You know, they don't deserve anything. You'd think they'd be more willing to uh, trade with us considering we gave them such a fantastic pick for Jay Nash. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. Where's the love here? Come on, Maybe guys. they got a second for Jay Nash, and that's why they think they should get Wines and Wingard and Hartlett and Boak and Gray and you know what? Just there, was, there, was nothing, there was nothing wrong with Jay Nash. It was our lack of player development back then. That was the problem. So, all right, we lose Ryder. Let's say, and let's say we do get Gorringe with our second rounder. So we've lost both our first round picks for two very important players, probably on our roster overall, uh, two tall, versatile Ruttman, which is what we need. Are you guys going to be disappointed that we might not be participating in the draft that much at all? Personally, doesn't phase me where, where our list is at at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't bother me either. I'm always happy to trade out sort of decent picks for players such as Gorringe who have got three or four years of development into them already. So you just sort of skip that the first couple of years where rucks never do anything and get right to the good bits, hopefully. Mm. And there's still, we can probably take, if we're going to, if we're going to go down the Nathan Cracker path, you take him with a late pick, you upgrade Mitchell or Gray with a late pick. And then there's only really one pick in the fifties that actually matters where it is, if you know what I mean. So if we're, if we're upgrading a rookie, it doesn't matter if you're doing it with, with pick 50 or pick 90, because you get the same result either way. Yeah. We got the power to win, power to roll.
let's get on to our player reviews. Uh, week two of our player reviews. We'll start with Tommy Cleary, who's a 20-year-old key defender. It was his second season on the list this year. He played one AFL game in round one against Carlton. He also played 19 SANFL games. Um, at fullback, he averaged um, just over 15 disposals and six marks a game. How did we see his season this year? Yeah, about right. I thought he was serviceable in his first game, but obviously he's still down on the pecking order and he's still a young kid in uh, in AFL experience comparison. So I thought probably the thing he needs to work on is probably his um, his disposal for mine. Uh, probably still, uh, from what I've seen, can create too many exposed turnovers, which at the AFL levels uh, not a great attribute to have. Yeah. For me, it's probably more his decision-making than his actual disposal itself. I think he's a pretty good kick of the footy. Um, I just think he sometimes makes poor decisions under pressure. I think he's got the he's got a something that he'll hopefully fix with experience, but his brain sort of thinks he can do things that he can't actually do. Yeah, he'll go for a forty meter pinpoint pass into the corridor, which if it worked would be fantastic. But if it doesn't work, then you're totally exposed. It's he also I notice he tries to outmark opponents a lot rather than spoiling them, which if it works again is fantastic. But if it doesn't work, your opponent's lining up for a set shot at goal. So yeah. he certainly plays a very risky style for a 20-year-old key defender. Look, I think but... this is called Jasper Pittard syndrome. Yes, it is. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want Rick to yell at me. <laughs> no, you can't even compare the two players. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a ridiculous call. Look, I thought his SNFL yeah, they... form was pretty good. I think uh, I thought his start to the season was excellent. Um, I thought he slowly went downhill a little bit from there, and he did play some poor games um, later on in the season, and, and I thought his finals form was a little bit indifferent. Maybe he tired a little bit as the season went on, but you know, I thought uh, both the showdowns that he played in uh, were, were pretty good at SANFL level, and I thought he kept some good forwards to minimal impact throughout the year. The question uh, is, is he big enough? I think so. 193 centimetres, that's, um, that's a pretty common height for a key defender. I think he just needs to put on some size through his core. Um, I think um, you know he's probably not going to be able to out-muscle um, too many AFL forwards at this point. Personally, I think the way that Cleary plays, the way, as a 20-year-old, while he's still sort of developing and getting experience, it's very risky and it can be a liability at times. But if he ever does get it right, he's going to be a real weapon, a sort of an attacking key defender, which you don't see very often. Yeah. But he's got that mindset that could make him a real weapon if he gets everything right. He's got a bit of uh, Matthew Scarlett about him, I reckon. Oh, if he ends up half as good as Matty Scarlett, we'll be laughing. We'll be laughing, yep. He's like an albino version of Matty Scarlett. <laughs> I think we're not the easiest side for a young key defender to get a game at at the moment. You'd think if he'd probably need two, at least two of... O'Shea, Jonas, Homsch, Trengo, or Carlisle to be out to really have any chance of getting a senior game. Yep. Well, that happened this year and it didn't really mm. and he didn't get it work out for a minute either, did it? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a tough gig for him, to be honest. They're all season campaigners now. He was probably fighting against Homsch uh, originally, I would imagine, and but um, Homsch has really taken over there, so he's probably just going to have to work hard and put in the performances uh, to force his way in the side. Yep. 
Alright, next player on the list is Sammy Cahoon. He's uh, nine, still only 19 years old. He's a small defender slash midfielder. Um, just the four games in the SANFL this year, of course, he did his knee in round four versus Central Districts. I thought he had fantastic form up to that point and was really on the verge of the AFL. Yeah, there's not a lot to review of his season, unfortunately, but it is good to see that he's back out on the track already. So hopefully he'll have sort of a, as close as he can get to a full preseason for 2015. That's right. I did like what I saw from him last year. I saw he definitely has a knack at AFL level to getting to the right spots and then kicking the ball to the right spots. Yep. There's a lot of BF talk, people wanting him to become a tagger. I think he's probably more likely to end up as a sort of a Brent Stanton type link man running around half back and a wing. I'm not sure he's got the size or the sort of defensive nous to be a tagger, but yep. I suppose time will tell what he develops into. Yeah. I thought he had a, a bit of a poor pre-season, and that's probably why he ended up missing out on round one in the AFL. Um, he, he played a couple of really dirty uh, pre-season games, especially against his old club centrals. Um, he didn't have a good day that day, but um, he probably missed out on round one because of that. Um, but, you know, his form in the first four games were fantastic. He had a couple of really high possession, high mark games, and he was really on the verge of breaking into that AFL side again. Um, it, it is a pity that he went down um, with a serious knee injury when he did. Um, but as you said, you know, a full pre-season, he's going to have that, which is fantastic, and I think he'll be ready to go from round one next year. I think he'll definitely play at least some AFL games next year. No not sure he'll be quite best 22, but he'll be around the 25 mark, I would say. Yep. Well, Kenny likes him, doesn't he? Yeah. He backed him in in 2013, so... Be hard to see a reason why he wouldn't be backing him in in 2015 if he's fit and firing. Yep. Look, next player on the list, uh, Kane Corns, 31 years old, 293 games. Played 25 games this year, played every game, finished third in the best and fairest again. You know, he averaged 24 touches and five marks a game. He just keeps on keeping on. Why wasn't he dropped? <laughs> For crying out loud. <laughs> Drop the seagull. Bloody hell. <laughs> Outrageous. I think Kane finishing top three in RBF, BNF every year is sort of becoming like the port equivalent of Cameron Ling getting voted sexiest man every year. I think <laughs> it's just going to keep happening until he retires, no matter how well he plays. Yeah. It's like an in-joke at this point. Well, look, I thought he had a fantastic season, and you know, I thought he well-deserved to be up there. You know, He had, had a really good first half of the year. Um, I think he, he turned a little bit more defensive than we have seen from him in the past sort of three or four seasons, throughout the second half of the year, he was doing some real um, shutdown jobs. Um, and, you know, he had a really good game on uh, on Stephen Hill in round 23. I also thought he had a really good game on uh, on Rory Sloan in round two. And he took Joel Selwood to the cleaners in round six as well. I reckon it was the um, around that Essendon time. It might have even been the Essendon game where probably had a shocker. I reckon every kick he started with sort of, just kept turning it over, and he just had a couple of those games when we were down in our in our slump, um, where everyone was a little bit off. But obviously, people uh, noticed Kane's poor games for some reason. Maybe they notice him because he is so consistently good. Um, you know, so when he does have the off games, uh, you know, it does stand out. But uh, yeah, look, he's a he's a champion player, and uh, obviously keeps racking up the best and fairest. I mean. It's a shame he didn't want to leave for Essendon because he'd be easy trade for Paddy Ryder, wouldn't he, really? 
Well, where do you think he sits um, in Port Adelaide's history in terms of players? Do you think, you know, he's two-time All-Australian, four-time Best and Fairest winner. Um, I think he gets a bit of a raw deal. I think he's kind of like Darren Smith in a way, um, in that I think his own supporters uh, criticise him quite heavily. Um, and I think it's a little bit unwarranted. Seagull. Wow. Nah, he's a great player. But, you know, he's one of those players where you're not going to... The first player you name isn't going to be Kane Corns, right? But he's probably one of those players that should be one of the first players uh, nominated as one of the all-time greats, especially at AFL level. Yeah. Well, no, no one's been as right. consistent as Kane Corns has for Port Adelaide. No. Oh, probably maybe Treadway. Yeah, that's a fair Outside goal. of that. Yeah. Outside Korn, of those two. Corns is going to be our first 300-game player next year, is that right, in, AF, in the AFL? Yeah. And he deserves to be. Yeah. So how long, he probably you, would have been there. how long do you see him playing for? I think he intimated on radio last week that um, maybe next year might be his last year. I'd hope so, for, for his sake and, our, and also our team's sake. I think... We really need our team probably to to really evolve past Kane now, and that's not said in an offensive way to Kane at all. But you know, he's probably he probably is dropping a little bit of his leg speed now, and you know, he's it's not like he's got a big bulky frame, so he's got other attributes which would probably compensate that. So you know, for me, it's probably healthy if our team's able to evolve past Kane being required. A bit like Dom this year. Yep. I think he'll probably play on until we find a better tagger. So that could be next year. It could be two years from now. He might play till he's 39 like Dustin Fletcher. Well, he'll definitely get to 400 games in. (laughs) Do we even need a tagger like that, though? I mean, there's some teams that don't even carry the hard taggers like that anymore. All right, next on the list, Brad Ebert. Uh, 24 years old, he's played 147 games. He was another player that played every game this year, 25 games, finished 11th in the best and fairest. Um, a bit low there. He averaged 22 disposals, 6 tackles, 4 inside 50s a game. Um, was 5th in disposals, 2nd in tackles, 2nd in inside 50s for the club. Bit of a mixed season overall. How old is he now? 24. And how many games has he played? Uh, just shy of 150. That's a, mate. That's a pretty mean effort, isn't it? Mm, it's a good strike rate. Really? Oh, well, he had a good run with West Coast. He pretty much played nearly every game for the first four years. So, yeah, I thought his season was good. He did struggle in that slump period, but um, really came back for the finals. And I guess I guess his standout game for me was on Kennedy in Sydney. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful game, that one. Yeah, that was a very good game. I think um, Brad's probably been overtaken a little bit from 2012 when he was probably our best player. But guys like... Boak and Gray and Harlow Wingard, who are all probably more naturally talented, have sort of stepped up their work rate to overtake him. Mm. I think that in future years, Brad might end up playing a bit more of a peripheral role than being one of our stars, which is fine because you can't have everybody as the best player inside. He might even be, as we were talking, just talking about a tagger, maybe Brad's the one to take over the role that Kane Corns has done because he's certainly got the sort of defensive mindset and the running ability to do it. And we might have a enough of a luxury with the players I mentioned and Wines and Polek and all of them coming in that we can afford to use somebody as good as Brad to play 
a run with run with role and make players accountable like he did to Kennedy in what was almost definitely his best game of the year. Yeah. There was a bit of a change mid-year. Um, I thought his first half of the season was outstanding. He was arguably in all-Australian form. Um, and I think he was either um, leading or second in our best and fairest at that midpoint of the season. He had fantastic games against the Crows in uh, in round two, against Brisbane in round four. He was excellent against uh, Geelong in round six, and obviously that game against Kennedy in Sydney. Um, but, you know, it was almost like a, uh, a flick was switched. Um, his, his role changed a little bit mid-year. Um, and I thought we missed out on that hardcore gut running um, that we became used to with Brad um, through that second half of the season. I suspected that it maybe he had an injury. And I uh, saw he had post-season shoulder surgery. Yep. So maybe that was um, really playing up on him and uh, affecting his performance. Mm. I, th- I thought he was still good. He was certainly serviceable, but... Um, I think going by the best and fairest results, I think the club might have been a little bit disappointed with his output as well. It's yeah. true. It was probably only our fifth or sixth best midfielder this year, but you'd certainly, if you're making an AFL list and your fifth or sixth best midfielder is Brad Ebert, then you can't be too unhappy. I'm pretty happy with that. So do we see him still improving um, next season? You'd hope so. He'd be one of those ones where he can raise it to another level with uh, consistency in performance. Yep. And I take you, I take it back. What you, you take back to what your comment was, uh, Schultz, about you can't have uh, all twenty-two players being stars. I mean, Geelong two thousand and seven did. So if they can, why can't we? Yeah, but they still had hacks like Shannon Burns getting games. No, he was a star. <laughs> What about Dual Wojcicki? premiership player, Shannon Burns, to you, Macca. <laughs> yeah. How many and premierships do you want? Seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. How many? Seven. Who for? Oh, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking AFL nineteen ninety nine on the PlayStation now. <laughs> oh, I thought we were. Oh, that's unf- that doesn't unfortunate count. Unfortunate there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think Brad's still got another level to go to. I think he could become an All-Australian player. Um, he was almost there this year. Um, similar to Hartlett, I think if he can sort of close the gap between his best and worst games, um, I think he'll get there. Absolutely. All right, next player, Daniel Flynn. It was his first year with us, a 20-year-old utility from Ireland. I thought he had a really impressive first year. It almost um, didn't happen. Of course, he went home through the pre-season, um, after he played a pre-season game against the Crows at Richmond Oval. He went home for a couple of months, um, but came back, um, played his first SNFL game at uh, at the game in Clare, the showdown in Clare, um, and he played some really good football this year. Love the Flynn. There's something exciting about him. You know, his size and uh, his speed, his explosive speed. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to what he can deliver uh, next year. And obviously, like you said, Macker, I think uh, going away in hiatus for a couple of months uh, probably didn't help. It was understandable why he left. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was great that he had the courage to say, look, I want to come back. And the club accepted him back. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he put in a couple of good games at uh, SANFL level and just need to see a bit more of it now. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a testament both to our culture and to Flynn himself's character that he did come back and took up the opportunity. 
that his skills had given him. We've seen every week at SANFL, even when he's not getting huge amounts of the ball every week, that when he does get it, his athleticism is just insane. And he's already got better foot skills than a lot of people who have been playing football all their life. We saw that um, run and pass he did to Cracker against Central Districts, where he took about three bounces and dodged three dogs players, which was one of the best things that I've ever seen anybody do on a football field, let alone a guy playing his fifth game of football in his life. Yep. No, he played some great games in that first half of the season. I, I was really impressed with his game against, uh, I think, South it was, and certainly against Sturt as well at um, at Albert and Oval. I thought he played a fantastic game that day. Um, he got suspended mid-year versus the Eagles. He, he lined someone up, he connected, he got suspended for two weeks for rough play. Um, I thought there was a quite a bit of a noticeable change in his mindset after that. He sort of looked like he almost start, started to second-guess himself on the field a little bit. Yeah, I think that was just a matter of him not knowing sort of what aggression is allowed and what aggression is not allowed at AFL. And that's something that's only going to come with experience. Yeah. I thought his final series was pretty good. I thought he had a poor first final against Norwood, but his prelim and especially his grand final was excellent. I, I really enjoyed his grand final. Um, I thought his last quarter nearly got us over the line. It certainly would have been one of those sort of Tom Carr um, style sort of 1999 premiership you know, match-saving um, quarters had we got over the line. I think he's got definite AFL potential. Physically, he's he's absolutely bang on the mark. He's he's a really big size. He's ridiculously quick, very, very fit, can play tall, can play small. He's got great foot, sco- uh, foot skills. It's just a matter of him still learning how to play um, the game of AFL. If we compare him to... Um... I guess his other Irishmen or counterparts in the AFL, how long did it take them, like your Pierce Hanley and uh, and all those sort of characters, how long did it take them to sort of get into the uh, AFL sides and sort of keep their position? I guess that would probably be a, a good guide for our expectation on Flynn. Well, Hanley I didn't really definitely... make a, an impact until his uh, his fourth season when he was about 23. Yeah, I can definitely remember watching Hanley earlier in his earlier in his career and thinking this guy's not going to make it, but now he's probably one of the best outside players in the competition. So, yeah. shows what we know on big footy. <laughs> mm. That's it. And what? Who's the Carlton Irishman? Tui. Tui. Yeah, same deal with him. He was yeah. couldn't hit a target to save his life when he first started out, and now he's kicking goals from sixty meters out every week. Well, when you think Flinney's already hitting targets and really skills probably isn't his issue. It's just really picking up the reading of the play yep. and getting his positioning right on the field. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I just think he's a very exciting prospect. And if he can... Because uh, he's still a rookie, isn't he? So yeah. uh, if we can if he can get onto the, onto the senior list, I think that's the first start. And... Uh, and then we go from there. Well, that's got to be his goal for next season, I think, is to play good enough SNFL form um, that we do upgrade him to the senior AFL list for 2016. And I think he's definitely got that potential in him. Um, do we see What sort of role do we see him playing next year? We played him basically in a back pocket as kind of a third-toll defender this year. Um, do you think he's suited to that role or, or more suited further up the field? I think he'll turn into a half-back. I think the... 
the way he plays with his line breaking and running in a straight line up the field is best suited for somebody running towards our goals rather than somebody having to run up the field and back. And that's probably an easier position to learn for a new player as well. Yeah. So yeah, we lost but... um, Hanley and Canelli and Tui all started their career playing. Mm. Yeah, it'd be the safe way to, to go with him. I agree with that. And maybe one day he could be possibly a wingman, but obviously he needs to be able to read the game very well. Uh, to be a wingman, otherwise he might just watch the ball keep sailing over his head all the time. Yeah. All right, on to uh, someone that surprised everyone this year, Robbie Gray, 26 years old, 115 games. He played every game this year, averaged 24 disposals a game, kicked 42 goals, 145 clearances, best uh, for Port Adelaide there. Also dished off 25 goal assists. He was our best and fairest. He was all Australian. He won the coaches award. He won pretty much everything except for the Brownlow this year. And he's working out of the gym already. Exactly. What a gun. Getting in early. Dedicated. He just had an insane year. I don't think anybody saw it coming. It was we all knew that he was talented and sort of had his moments, but nobody expected him to become consistently one of the best players in the team every week and one of the best players in the competition over the year. No, that's right. It was a stunning season. Saw... Arguably the best Port um, AFL season of all time. I would agree if with that. Can, if you can think of Robbie Gray's attributes that he brings to a game, what's your most favourite at this point in time for Robbie Gray? For me, it would be the way that he doesn't just get clearances, but he gets effective clearances. Yeah. No matter how many people he's got around him, he gets the ball out to the right spot and sends one of our other midfielders off on a run. Yeah, that would probably be mine as well. I think the way he can gather the ball at a stoppage, find space and actually run off with the ball, evade a couple of players and then hit a target, um, there's probably only one or two players in the league that can actually do that as well as Robbie can. Mm. He's, he's almost becoming a bit Scott Pendlebury like with his evasiveness now, isn't he? Well, he's, you just can't tackle him. He's just got mm. an insane ability to evade tackles, and keep his body free, and even when he does get tackles, he always keeps his arms free. He can always hit that target with the with the handball instead. Mm. Yeah, I love his evasiveness. I mean, it was a I wasn't expecting him to have this good a season after. Uh, last year where he was coming back from his knee reconstruction and, and obviously he's uh, worked his guts out and now he's receiving the rewards uh, in the style of play that he's playing by by his hard work and uh, dedication. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just his midfield work, but his work up forward as well. I mean, he's just about unstoppable. Through that second half of the season, I reckon he was arguably best on ground in 10 of our last 11 games, which is insane for a single player to do. Whether it's in the midfield or up forward, you know, no one can really stop him. You push him forward, and as we saw in the finals, you know, he kicks four goals against Frio, he kicks three against Hawthorne. I mean, he was just absolutely fantastic this season. Shame young AFL umpires can't recognise that, Mecca. It is a bit of a shame he didn't score more votes in the Brownlow. I think Boak was always going to out-poll him just because of his uh, his clear best on-ground performances, whereas I think Robbie's season was just a, a season full of consistency where he played at that really high level all year, but was maybe, you know, especially through the first half of the year, as we said a few weeks ago, he's probably that third or fourth best player um, for a lot of those weeks in the first half of the season. 
375 odds on Boak to top our voting. I was happy with that. Mm. So well done, umpires. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we? How do we see his 2015 shaping up? Do we think he can uh, he can match that output again next year? Massive, absolutely. I reckon he can take it up another notch. I reckon he can become a little bit more uh, consistent. Uh, he, he did have a couple of down games. We're going to be very, very critical one. on his output. <laughs> he had one, yeah, one, one down game. game and he had... Or he had what gastro. Was yeah, well, look, Dom Tyson uh, outvoted him twice, right? So there was two down games <laughs> there, boys. So, But I, I reckon he can take it to another level. To be honest, I think he can increase his output a bit more, and obviously he's working hard on that already. So, but I mean, it's going to be t- hard to uh, to get too much better. But you know, let's enjoy the ride if he can. Absolutely. On to uh, the next grey on the list, uh, Sammy Gray. It was his first year on the rookie list. Twenty-two years old. He played seven AFL games, averaged eleven disposals, and almost a goal a game. He also played fourteen SANFL games and averaged twenty-two touches and five marks a game. How do we see his season, especially at AFL level? I think he had a very impressive debut in that smacking of Brisbane, but then he never really met that standard in any of the chances he got for the rest of the year. It's happy enough for us to use a rookie pick on him because he deserved the chance at AFL level after his form last year, and it helped us sort of cement the one-club movement as we were transitioning into the Magpies as the power reserves era. But... I think he's had his share of opportunities at AFL level this year and not sure that he showed that he has what it takes to be a sort of consistent best 22 AFL player. Yep. Oh, took a nice mark. He did take a very he nice He did take mark. a very nice mark. Kicked a great goal in round three as well. As you said, he was really impressive. Kicked three goals on debut against Brisbane. Couldn't really match that output again. But I thought he was handy against Geelong and also the Western Bulldogs. The thing I like about his game is that is his ability to get some space on his opponent. So he's always in front, um, but then it's just a matter of what he actually does with the ball when he gets it. He either drops a mark or, or miskicks the ball, which is unfortunate. So I, I think he's he's nearly there as an AFL player. Whether he gets the opportunities to uh, to develop um, at AFL level, I'm not sure he's going to get that chance. Um, but I think he'll probably get a second season on the rookie list and. And you never know where that might go from there. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to play any games mm. this year, to be honest. So, I mean, to get seven games, he, he was rewarded with a bit of faith from the coaches. And, yeah, I agree with what you guys said outside the Brisbane game. He probably was a little bit down on output. But, I mean, he's a rookie-listed player. So, you know, obviously you can't be expecting too much from him. But I thought at SANFL level... Uh, he was a very, very senior and required player and was very influential in most of the games that he played for us. Yeah, no doubt. There's no doubt he's a top-class SNFL player. Absolutely. Probably size is working against him a little bit too, isn't it, at AFL level? Yeah. yeah. I think at his size you sort of need elite speed or elite skills and he doesn't really have either. He's certainly passable, but you need to be better than passable to be a sort of a 175-centimetre player at AFL level. Yeah. Hamish Hartlett, uh, he's the next player on the list. Uh, 24 years old, it was his sixth season. 22 AFL games, 21 disposals and a goal a game. Uh, finished eighth in the best and fairest. I think by far his best season at AFL level to date. Get on him for the Brownlow 
or top three Brownlow, I reckon, next year, Schultzy. Uh, Boak and Graham take his votes. Maybe the year no, after. Nobody gets think... votes in their first good year. We learned that this year. But I reckon he showed... I thought his voting showed that when he does play well, he catches the umpire's eye. And I thought his, uh, his first half of the season was a, you know, a bit vanilla, but... I thought his second half of the season was fantastic. He, um, when we started getting our our rough patch in the in the middle of the year, there he uh, he was the one that was standing up, and and Macca and I quite often commented on on his physicality coming run home into the finals and even in the finals. He he kept putting his body on the line and and getting the hard ball, and uh, I was very impressed. And you know, I was one of those people that was quite frustrated by Hamish for probably not doing enough with the skill set that he's got, but that the second half of 2014, he won me over, absolutely. Yeah, look, he's, uh, as I said earlier, he's one that uh, really closed that gap between his best and his worst games. I think through sort of 11, 12 and 13, his best was always very, very good. We talk about his game against Carlton in 2012, where he, you know, his best on ground kicked three goals from outside 50 and all that, but... That was pretty much the only time he did that that year. Um, his worst games were, were really quite poor. Um, I don't really think he played all that many poor games this season at all. I mean, he, I think he struggled against Sydney, but he was injured. I think he struggled when he came back into the side against the Crows a couple of weeks later. But outside of that, I thought his consistency was a real um, trademark of his game this year. And as you said, I thought his leadership was fantastic as well. Yeah, I think from after that showdown, he sort of quietly stepped up and sort of became an elite player without anybody outside of Port Adelaide noticing. Yeah. I think the, the emergence of Gray and the form of uh, Boat continuing and guys like Wingard, Wines and Polex stepping up has certainly helped him because he used to cop the hard tag every week because teams knew that they could tag him out. But now you can't tag all six of our star midfielders at once, can you? Mm. No, that's right. I think the other thing that I really enjoyed about his game was that there was no more sort of him getting put in a back pocket or half-back flank, you know, just to just to get out of the play a little bit if he was being tagged. He was normally sort of resting up forward and still kicking goals. Mm, I reckon him and Broadbent, both of them, are probably the biggest improvers for hardness at the body and hardness at getting the contested ball Um both of those boys really improved from previous year's output. And it'll be interesting to see what 2015 delivers, but I'm quite optimistic that Hamish has got a big uh, rise in his ceiling in, in his play and, and what he can do. I'm not sure I'll get on him for the brown low, but I reckon he'd be a very good I said chance top, for the, I uh, said top the three. Top three for the brown low. Top three for the brown low. It's possibly fair. I reckon he's a good chance for the best and fairest next year. Well, he catches his kicking just catches attention, you know. And so, if he can if he can get a, a goal or a couple goals every second game, and you know he's uh, he's really going to catch the attention of the umpires, I reckon. All right, and the last player we'll uh, review today, uh, Mitch Harvey. It was his first season on the list. Nineteen-year-old key forward, yet to debut at AFL uh, level. He played every game in the SANFL this year. He played 21 games, kicked 24 goals. Uh, played the second half of the season pretty much solely in the ruck uh, because of our ruck issues um, at that level. Um, how do we see his season this year? I think he definitely surpassed everyone's expectations for a 
pick 45 key forward in his first year. Yeah. He said that he kicked 24 goals, but I think he was going at about two goals a game before he had to go into the ruck. Yeah, he kicked 17 goals for round nine. Yeah, so obviously somebody for his age scoring nearly just under two goals a game at NFL level as a key forward is very impressive. Mm. And then he did get shunted into the ruck, which probably did affect his year this year negatively, but I think it'll be very good for him in the long term to sort of work on his aerobic capacity and his reading of the play and his competitiveness and all of that. So mm. I think it'll be a valuable learning experience and it'll make him a better player in the long term. Yeah, He's probably given the most optimism to the supporters out of all the forwards after this season, I would have thought. Yeah, I think he was probably the one that came in with the least expectations and I think he probably played better than, than all those backup forwards in Shaw... <laughs> Harvey and uh, and Butcher, he was probably the most impressive of the three. Um, I, I really enjoyed his first half of the season. I thought he was really good, really impressive. Um, as we said, he went into the ruck in the second half of the season and played some pretty good footy there. Um, his competitiveness um, at the contest, he's very Matt Loby-like in, in that I think he gets a lot of tackles and really attacks the ball quite hard. He's quite a physical player. I'm really impressed with his marking. Um, he's a fantastic kick of the football. He's just a lovely kick of the footy, uh, which is great for a key forward, um, especially after what we've been through with guys like Daniel Stewart and, and Johnny Butcher. Um, I think it, it's just those physical attributes that he needs to improve on, obviously his fitness, um, and I think he really needs to find some speed off the mark as well. I think we're a perfect match for Mitch Harvey. We know he grew up a Port supporter, so I'm sure he wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And we've got... Burgess and the rest of our fitness team who can sort of work on the deficiencies which led to him sliding and if we can get his fitness up to match his marking and his kicking and his athleticism then we've certainly got a somebody who's got the potential to make as an AFL player on our hands. Yeah you could see his body shape change throughout the season as well when I saw him play that first trial game against uh, against the Crows at Richmond Oval I thought god this is the the second coming of Ryan Willett's here. Um, but he, he did he did noticeably trim down quite a lot as the season went on. Well, he's, I, I'm quite excited. I mean, do you think he got, he might be able to jag a, an AFL game next year or is that a bit unrealistic? Probably depends on injuries, I think. Um, if we do end up getting Ryder, that means we'll have, you know, Wessoff, Schultz and Ryder as, as your absolute locks in the team. Um, obviously, there's, there's poor form that can happen. There's injuries. You know, will we actually be able to play Ryder through the first part of the season or not? Um, so, you know, I think he's a big chance to get some game time next year. But um, I think he's going to have to be lucky um, to be in, in good form um, at the time where opportunities might arise for him. I think I'd still probably play Shaw before Harvey at this stage. Mm. But that's certainly not to say that Harvey might not become the better player over time, but it's just the extra year of development that Shaw's had. Yeah. I do like the Shaw-Harvey combo. I think uh, I think both will be very good players for Port Adelaide in the future. Yeah, one's sort of the athlete and one's the big gorilla who takes the big contested marks. Yep. Works nicely. All right. Well, that's uh, pretty much it for this evening. Schultzy, thanks for coming on Rock again, on. buddy. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Come on, a bit more enthusiasm than that, man. Yeah, I'll get you excited. I'll mention a name. Pinard. Oh, uh, who? <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Macca, don't call him Champagne that. Champagne comedy. <laughs>
brilliant. <laughs> All right. Well, I've enjoyed my last time on the podcast. <laughs> With that talk, you can be back anytime, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Rick, as always, buddy. Fishing tips. Snappers everywhere. I'm pissed. I'll I don't even know how to catch one. And everyone's on Facebook putting this bloody uh, snapper pictures up everywhere. But I, I heard out of West uh, West Beach, people catching uh, snapper about 4Ks out. Glenelg Tire Reef is another spot where snapper's been caught. You go about 2Ks out of the Christie's Beach ramp, apparently you can get snapper there. And then you've got the Outer Harbour uh, boating channel. Just don't fish in the boating channels if you do use a boat because that's uh, a bit dangerous. And also by the rock wall at uh, at Outer Harbour uh, is pretty good as, at the right times as well. But I'm only going on what I read from other people because I've got no bloody idea when it comes to catching snap on myself. I'm useless. <laughs> but there's plenty of crabs out there. Get them before Christmas. Mm. Rick's famous crab cakes. Mm. Get into Yellow. it. That's it. Well, we had heaps of uh, steam crabs last week. We got we got sixty all males. Yep. We chucked back the females, and uh, they were a good size. There were some whoppers out there. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, boys. Until next time. Adios. Go Port Adelaide. Can love you, Dom. And a pair. Dom, I love you, Dom. That's staying in the Port Adelaide. Love you, Dom. Say it again. Love you, Dom. One last hurrah. Loads up. They need a mark and then a goal. West off almost. Motlock couldn't quite. Enright. Good tackle. Cassisi to win it. Cassisi does win it. Oh!